Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Let me pray for us. Father, we are thankful again for your power and mercy and grace, Lord. We're thankful for your majesty. We're thankful for the chance to open the truth of your word, Father. I pray, I pray for the next little while we would set aside the distractions of life. All the things that keep us from hearing you clearly. And I pray you would speak directly into our hearts, Lord, into our lives. I pray we would understand your truth. I pray we would apply it, Lord. And I pray that we would be transformed more into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. I want you to take your Bibles and open to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And as you're finding 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I want to ask you a question. And I don't want you to answer with a hand raise or even audibly, but I want to ask a simple question. How many of you have been through some sort of a struggle this last week? Not almost all of us. It'd probably be easier to say who hasn't been through a struggle. Maybe you're struggling at work. Maybe things aren't like you thought they were going to be. Maybe things aren't working out like you'd hoped they would. Maybe the, the boss is difficult. Maybe co-workers aren't pulling their weight. Maybe it's just a, a tough thing. And every time you go into work, every morning you go into work, it's a struggle. Maybe you're having difficulties there. Maybe you're having struggles within your home. Maybe there's something taking place that you're struggling with you can't quite figure out. Maybe it's a a grandchild or a child or maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe you've spent a lot of time praying and a lot of time studying. You just can't quite come up with the solution. You can't quite come up with the answer. And you're kind of walking through this season in your life where you're really struggling and there's a lot of difficulties. Maybe you're struggling with your health. Maybe you got a bad report this last week from the doctor. Or maybe there's a test upcoming in a few weeks that you're pretty nervous about and you're not quite sure what's going to happen, exactly what the doctor's going to do for you or what he's going to prescribe for you or what's taking place within your body. So maybe it's kind of a, a weight that's bearing down on you. I just want to remind you very clearly this morning that no matter where you are, no matter what difficulty you face in your life, there's always hope in Christ. And Paul's going to talk to us this morning very clearly right from the truth of Scripture about how we can keep from losing heart, about how we can keep from becoming discouraged by finding hope in Christ. So let's take a look together, if we would, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to focus on verses 16, 17, and 18. The words of Paul to the church at Corinth, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Verse 17. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. (laughs) What is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. You know, in a world that seems to be spinning out of control in a world where it seems that hope is harder and harder to find. Paul gives us three very clear answers. 
Three very clear ways that we can find hope in Christ, that we cannot lose heart, that we cannot become discouraged. And I want to give you those three this morning. Here's truth number one. We don't lose heart, number one, if we are being renewed. Paul says you don't need to lose heart because even though outwardly things are falling apart, inwardly you being renewed day by day. Now Paul has already explained to us in this chapter that life is difficult. This is a pattern we've already seen in chapter 4. We saw this last week where Paul says to us in verse 8, we're hard pressed on every side but we're not crushed. We're perplexed but not in despair. We are persecuted but not abandoned. We are struck down but not destroyed. Paul says it's very easy to lose heart if we're not careful. And he continues this line of thinking now into verses 16, 17, and 18. He says we're wasting away on the outside. He says we face all sorts of troubles. We're focused on all the wrong things. And he says if we're not careful, it's easy to lose heart. It's easy to get upset. It's easy to be discouraged. But in the midst of this great difficulty, Paul gives us this beautiful picture of hope. Paul says you need to understand the world around you is going to crumble. Get used to it. (laughs) You know, they say when you turn 40, everything's downhill from there. Is that right? Those of you that are a little bit older than me, right? No? Good. That's good because I'm almost 42 now and I don't want it to go downhill yet. But it seems like the older we get, the more difficult things can be, right? We understand that our bodies are going to wear out. We understand that the things around us sometimes can be difficult. If you turn on the news for even one moment, it seems as if the world is just kind of descending into chaos sometimes, doesn't it? Paul says you need to go ahead and get used to this truth in life. You're going to walk through this day by day by day. Everything around you is going to waste away. You say, okay, I, I get this fact that Paul's talking about the outward and he's talking about the inward and he says the outward's wasting away but the inward's being renewed. Help me understand that a little bit better. Well, here's kind of how we draw the distinction. Very simply, the outward is everything that people can see. So the outward for you would be your actions. If people can see your actions, that's outward. The words that you use, that's the outward body. The attitude that the world sees that you display to the world, those are all the things that take place on the outside. Now here's the interesting thing about what's on the outside. We can fake that pretty well, can't we? We're good at that, aren't we? Things may be just kind of crumbling and difficulty and we may be facing all sorts of turmoil, but we're easy to fake feeling good and we show up to church and we say, everything's fine. And we say all the right things and we give all the right answers. Paul says sometimes the outward world is going to crumble away. But here's what the inward looks like. If the outward is what people can see, the inward is what no one can see. It's your thoughts. No one can see your thoughts, can they? No one can see your true emotions. No one can see your soul. And Paul says when the outside is crumbling, even in the midst of very difficult circumstances, we don't need to lose heart because inwardly, as a follower of Christ, we can be renewed on a regular basis. Now Jesus has talked a lot about this in his ministry. If you spend any time reading through the New Testament, studying the life of Christ, you'll understand this. We studied the Sermon on the Mount about a year or so ago. I don't know how long ago it was now. One of the interesting things that Christ does in the Sermon on the Mount is He helps us to understand that the internal is oftentimes more important than the external. See, what we try to do is we try to fix the outside in hopes that it will change the inside. That's not what Christ says to do. 
Christ says, you fix the inside first and the outside will follow. And so we see examples in Matthew chapter 6 when Jesus is talking. He says, when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. He says, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. There's the sense of the internal, the heart is more important than the outside and what people see. Verse 5 of Matthew 6. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by others. When you pray, go into your room. Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Verse 16 of the same chapter, when you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full, but when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Paul says, Christ says, there's this theme through the New Testament over and over again that we need to worry about what's going on on the inside. We need to focus on our internal spirit and our soul and the idea of renewal and seeking Christ in all things. One writer says it like this, the outer person is what belongs to this world that is temporary and crumbling and what those who only evaluate things from a freshly, excuse me, a fleshly perspective can see. By contrast, the inner person belongs to what has ultimate significance and is being transformed and prepared for resurrection life through God's matchless power. You say, this is great, right? And I know I'm supposed to be renewed, but how do I do this? It's difficult for me, right? I'm facing a lot of struggles and there's a lot of things going on and you think, I just can't quite make that leap. Well, listen to how Paul finishes verse 16. Bring it back up if you would for me, please. Paul says, we don't lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed when? Day by day, see that? It's this process of renewal as a follower of Jesus Christ. See, there's this sense, if we're going to do all the things that Christ has called us to do through prayer and through study and through Bible memorization and through meditation and seeking the Lord's will in all things, there's this sense in Scripture that we ought to be changing on a day-by-day-by-day basis. Amy likes to do scrapbooks for our, our children. She does an amazing job. And so she'll start, she started with all four children at birth. And so we've got a book for every one of our kids that starts at birth and it goes through pretty recent. She, you know, sometimes it's hard to catch up because they're growing so fast and so many things happen. But she's got a book for every kid that begins at birth and you can kind of walk through that book and follow the progression of their life. And they get these things out occasionally. The kids like to get them out and look at them. And if I'm not careful, I kind of get sucked into this, right? I don't ever start by thinking, I'm going to spend two hours looking at baby pictures. But if you're not careful, all of a sudden you're like, oh, look at how much they... It's just been three years, or that was only four years ago, and they look like little babies, and you begin to see the growth, right? And when you take a step back, you see that there's been great change in their life. You may not see it every single day, day by day. You may not wake up one morning and go, you know, they've changed since yesterday. They're quite a bit different than they were yesterday. But here's what you do. When you take a step back, and you look at their life, you see that they've grown. You see that they've changed. You see that they've developed. It's the same thing in our walk with Christ. 
You may wake up in the morning, look at yourself in the mirror and say, I don't know that I'm different than I was yesterday in Christ. I don't see a whole lot of difference. But if you look at your life five years ago, you ought to be changed, shouldn't you? You shouldn't be the same person in Christ now that you were five years ago. You shouldn't be the same person in Christ that you were one year ago. Paul says you don't have to be discouraged because if you'll seek Christ, you're going to be renewed. Day by day by day, slow and steady wins the race, right? Have you ever known the person that got real excited about the things of Christ? And they kind of just caught fire for the Lord and for the first several weeks or several months they were in the Word every day and they were studying and praying and they wanted to talk about the things of Christ and all of a sudden they just burned out. Paul says it's not really a sprint, it's a marathon. And so you should be examining your heart and asking yourself this question on a regular basis. What am I doing day by day to deepen my walk with Christ? What am I doing day by day to be transformed more into His image? What am I doing day by day to not worry about the outward crumbling, but instead to focus on the inward renewal that Christ says I will find if I seek Him? Now some of you are thinking, I get that, right? I'm supposed to be growing, I know. I know that. In fact, if I walk, walk around this congregation, after every person, every single person will say, I know I'm supposed to be walking in faith. I know I'm supposed to be seeking Christ, but Adam, you just don't, you just don't know the, the problems I'm dealing with right now, Right? You just don't know the struggles I've got. You know, you mentioned work a minute ago or family or marriage. Adam, if you knew all that stuff, you'd understand. I'm just too consumed with that stuff right now. I've got to take care of all that first. If I can take care of those things, then I can begin to renew my life in Christ. Well, look at verse 17. Paul's going to answer this question right now. Verse 16 again. Therefore, we don't lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away. Inwardly we're being renewed day by day. There's that process. Now, verse 17. For our light... And momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Here's truth number two. Truth number two is this. We don't lose heart if we have the correct perspective. We don't lose heart if we have the correct perspective. Paul says again in verse 17, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Now here's a biblical truth. I want you to listen to what I'm about to say to you. Sometimes it's hard for us to understand and even harder to apply to our lives. But here's the truth you need to hear from the Word of God this morning. Our troubles are not eternal. They are temporary. Let me just say that another way. Whatever you're dealing with right now is not eternal. It may be hard, it may be tough, it may be a struggle for you, it may be a struggle for your family, whatever that looks like, but it's not eternal. Christ says if you could see the glory of eternity, all the things around you wouldn't seem nearly as big of a deal. But see, the only way we can understand our troubles in light of eternity is by having the proper perspective, right? If you don't have the proper perspective on life, you're not going to see your troubles as temporary. You're going to allow them to consume you in so many ways. It's all about perspective. We landed in Africa. Now it's been about six weeks ago. We flew to Johannesburg first, and Johannesburg is a very large international city that looks much like most of the cities in America. 
We spent the night there. We got up the next morning, got on a plane, flew to Livingston. And Livingston is a much different city. It's a lot smaller than Johannesburg. It's a nice city, but it's nothing like Johannesburg. And I'll never forget, we got out of the airport and we got into the little city and they took us to a little market and to a little place we could eat. And it just seemed, and, and this is the way I phrased it in my mind, very African. <laughs> it was hot. It was dirty. It looked kind of run down. We sat and ate and there were lots of flies. And I just remember thinking, this, this is very much like I kind of expected Africa to be. So fast forward now a month. We'd been living out in the bush, right? We'd been living where oftentimes we didn't have electricity. Sometimes we didn't have water. We saw people on a regular basis that lived in a hut, a dirt floor, and, and grass roof. And we spent all this time kind of just living among those people and among that life. And we saw and witnessed so many things. Fast forward 30 days, right? We leave New Day Orphanage. We drive back to Livingston and they take us to this little area, this little market and this little restaurant. And I asked the missionaries, I said, where were we when we were here the first time? What, what's, what part of the city were we in when we came through the first time? And she said, you're right here. There's the market you went to and there's the little restaurant you went in. And I said, this is, this is not the same city. And we got back in the airport and I literally asked her, I said, what? We're standing in the airport. I said, what part of the airport did we come through when we arrived? She said, right here. She said, you walked through that door and you met me right here. See, after 30 days in the bush, my perspective had changed. I'm telling you. I saw things differently. I didn't think I was in the same airport. I didn't think I was in the same city. You see, sometimes we need, we need to change our perspective on the things of the world, don't we? I think sometimes we need to wake up to the truth of who Christ is in our lives. I think we need to wake up to the truth sometimes that the glory of heaven far outweighs the temporary things of life. I believe with all my heart, man, if we could see the truth of the glory of the Lord in heaven, all this would just fade away. It wouldn't be important anymore. All the things that we think are so important... All the things that we struggle with, all the things that we deal with on a regular basis, we just kind of melt away and we think, where am I, right? Am I in the same world I was in just a minute ago? Nothing looks the same to me anymore. Nothing's, nothing's like it was. It's all different because I see the perspective of Christ now. I see the perspective of eternity. Now I want you to notice what Paul does here in verse 17. It's fascinating. Bring the verse up again if you would. There it is. Paul says, For our light and momentary troubles, now watch this, this is very interesting, are achieving for us. See, they're doing something for us. You thought your troubles were bad. Paul says they're doing something for you. They're achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Now here's a paradigm shift for you. You ready for this? This is based on the truth of this scripture. Have you ever considered... That the difficulties you are facing is God's means by which to demonstrate His glory in your life. Have you ever thought about that? God says all these troubles that you're facing, all these difficulties that you're walking through are an opportunity for Christ to demonstrate His power in your life. See, if it weren't for the darkness, we would not appreciate the light. Some of you are saying, ah, 
that's kind of radical, Adam. And you're saying the, you're saying the struggles I'm facing, the difficulty I'm facing, are actually they're 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 achieving for me something. They're not easy, but they're actually achieving something. They're showing me the glory of the Lord. You say I'm just not sure I can swallow that. I'm not sure I can buy into that. I'm I'm not sure kind of what to do with that. Well, let me remind you of a story in John chapter nine. I don't want you to turn there, but I want you to listen. Jesus and his disciples have been walking, doing incredible things. And we come to John chapter 9, verse 1. The Bible says, as he, this is Christ, went along. He saw a blind man from birth, right? A guy who could not see. He's been blind since the day he was born, verse 2. So his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Right? They say, Jesus, now, now tell us who did something wrong for this to happen, Lord. Because obviously somebody did something wrong for this man to be born blind. I mean, somebody did something they shouldn't have done. Somebody sinned, and Christ says in verse 3, fascinating answer, neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said. Watch this. But this happened. Why? So that the works of God might be displayed in him. You understand what Christ is saying there? This man was born blind so that the Lord could demonstrate his glory. That's what he's saying. This man was born like this so that he could display the power of Christ to all those that would meet him. Now you think about the miracles that Christ performed in the New Testament. He, he, he healed people that couldn't see, right? He healed people that couldn't hear. He caused people that couldn't walk to walk again. None of those healings would have been possible without somebody walking through difficulty, right? I mean, Jesus couldn't have healed a blind man if there hadn't been a man that was blind. Imagine how difficult that man's life must have been before. Jesus couldn't have healed a deaf man if there wasn't a deaf man to heal. Imagine how difficult that man's life must have been before Christ healed him. Jesus could not have raised Lazarus from the dead if Lazarus had not actually died. Paul says, all the troubles you're facing, the the light and momentary troubles, are demonstrating for you the glory of the Lord. So what if we viewed our difficulties as opportunities for the Lord to display His glory? What if we saw our troubles as an opportunity for, Lord, you show up because I can't do anything about this. Or that problem at work that I'm dealing with, I've tried and I've tried and I can't do anything, Lord. I need you to show up and demonstrate your power. You know, the struggle in my marriage, Lord, that I've been praying about, I can't do it. I tried, Lord, I can't do anything about it. I need you to show up and to demonstrate your glory. You know, the situation I've got, Lord, at home, you know, all this going on right now and all the struggles we face, Lord, I need you to show up and demonstrate your glory. Paul says that these troubles are light and momentary and they achieve for us an eternal glory that, watch, far outweighs them all. The glory of the Lord that we're going to see through our troubles are so much greater than the troubles themselves. But in order for us to understand that, we need the correct perspective. You say, oh man, I know I need to be growing in Christ. I need to be walking with Him. I need to be, I need to be changed from the inside and growing internally and inward focus. I get that on the things of Christ. I understand that I need to have the right perspective. I need to have a, 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 an earth, I mean, a, a heavenly perspective, not a worldly perspective. I need to focus on the things that are important to Christ, not the things that are important to man. But how do I do that? How do I do that? Well, he answers the question in verse 18. Paul begins verse 18 with this very interesting word, so, <laughs> right? So, 
We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. Truth number three, we don't lose our heart if we fix our eyes on Jesus. We don't lose heart if we fix our eyes on Jesus. Christ said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. Paul says, fix your eyes not what on what's, on what's seen, but on what is unseen. And I look at this and it's very interesting. I was reading this passage this week and I started thinking, why would Paul tell us this? Why would Paul have to tell us to fix our eyes on what is seen Excuse me, why would Paul say not to fix our eyes on what is seen, but what is unseen? Why would he have to tell us that? He has to tell us that because we have this tendency, if we're not careful, to fix our eyes on the wrong things, don't we? It's human nature to focus on the wrong things. It's human nature to get bogged down in the things of the world and not to think about the things of Christ. That's why it's so difficult sometimes for people to make changes in their life. I heard a guy this last week who said it's very difficult for people to set goals. Most people don't set goals. You know why most people don't set goals? Because they're too busy worrying about tomorrow. <laughs> I'm worried about tomorrow and next week. I can't think about a year from now or a three-year or a five-year plan. I can't, I can't even hardly get out of this week. Paul says, if you don't want to lose heart, focus on the eternal. Focus on the things of the Lord. See, I just just wonder as followers of Christ if we could focus our heart and our minds and our lives on the eternal, how differently we would live. How differently we would live. One night while we were in Zambia, it was dark, it was late, it was nighttime. Blue and I, one of the missionaries, had walked around the corner of a building. As we're walking around the corner of the building, we hear a rustling sound up against the side of the building. Hmm. He said, what is that? I said, you live here? I don't know what he tell me what it is. <laughs> so he gets out his light and he shines it up against the side of the wall and there's a snake there. Hmm. Now what they didn't tell me before I arrived in Zambia, if you're planning on going to Zambia, you close your ears for the next 14 seconds. Okay? Close. La 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 la. Don't listen to this. What they didn't tell me about Zambia is the most prevalent snake there is a cobra. Not just any cobra, a spitting cobra. <laughs> now the good news about a spitting cobra is he has to spit in your eye or it doesn't really hurt you, right? So as long, as long as you're out of the eyeball range, you're okay. So we see the snake, still not quite sure who it is, and Blue picks up this, there just happened to be a ladder. I mean, it's just the craziest thing. There seriously happened to be a ladder there. And he pinned the snake up against the wall. And when he pinned the snake up against the wall, it came up on us with its hood out. Just like you see in the movie, spitting at us. It was cool, guys. I'm telling you, it was really cool. It was cool, right? I mean, Amy asked me later, were you scared? I was like, I was more exhilarated than scared, really. I mean, I was, I was too, I didn't know what to think to be scared. I mean, the snake right there, the cobra in the hood, and it's, you know, making this sound, it's spitting at us. And so we found some sticks and eventually killed the cobra, and we let all the kids touch it. How many of y'all have ever touched a spitting cobra? Raise your hand. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Do I have to? I was like, yes, for moments like this, you have to. <laughs> but I'll tell you something interesting in that whole process of killing that snake. It took maybe two minutes, three minutes. I didn't take my eyes off that snake. 
I didn't stop for a minute and go, I got some other things to deal with, y'all. And I started, I I was focused on that snake. You know why? Because he could have killed me. Right? He could have done major damage to my body. And so I focused on him. I walked away from that. I kind of, you know, you breathe a little bit. And I started kind of processing and, and thinking back through again. And I just asked myself this question. What if I could focus on Christ like I focused on that snake? Laser pinpoint focus. I'm not taking my eyes off Christ because I know he can accomplish things in my life. I know there are other things that are going to try to distract me. But I know that Christ has got the best plan for me. I know there are other things in the world that seem enticing, but if I'll just focus on the things of the Lord, if I'll just keep my eyes on the unseen, if I'll just focus on Christ, He'll use me in ways I can't even imagine. See, we get confused and we think that there's happiness and true joy in this world, and the Lord does bless us and He does give us joy, but the only true joy comes from Christ. Man, if you're living your life right now and you're trying to find happiness in the things of the world, it's not going to happen. You're going to wake up one morning hollow and you're going to wonder where all your life went and why you never truly found happiness because you can't find it in the things of the world. You can only find true happiness in the things of Christ. And when we understand that, when we understand who Christ is in our life and we understand what Christ can accomplish in and through us, when we can understand His truth when we can get the right perspective, when we can keep our eyes trained and focused on the things of Christ, we're not going to lose heart. We're not going to get discouraged. Because we understand very clearly as the world falls apart, Christ will be renewed. And He will use you in ways to bring Him honor and glory that you never even imagined. So to seek Christ, trust Christ in all things, and just watch how He uses you for His glory. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. It's clear, Lord. It's understandable. It's, it's uh, easily applied to our lives. Lord, give us the strength to do Your will. Give us the strength to hear from You, Lord. Give us the strength to to be the men and women of God you've called us to be, not because of our ability, but because of yours. And of all the people right now, Lord, in this precious congregation, Lord, that are struggling, I want you to speak clearly to them right now. Lord, speak clearly to them the message of hope and peace through Christ. That they may be strengthened, Lord, because of all you've accomplished in their hearts and in their lives. And we're going to give you the praise and the honor and the glory for all that you do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can stand. We're going to give you the opportunity, as we always do at the altar, to come and pray. Maybe you need to pray about some burdens you're facing. Maybe you need to stand in the gap and pray for somebody else. Maybe you need to repent of your sins and accept Christ. Or join this church. But this is your time to respond as we sing together. You come. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.